This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Um, I normally don't like to preach from up here, but I have to give a little disclaimer. Not, uh, maybe a month and a half ago, I was preaching at a, at a Kissimmee church, and uh, the end of the service, a, a sister approached me, and he, she said, you were talking about, because I had a series, and we're going to have a series here of sermons, at least two, and I was asking, you know, if they remember the, the previous messages, and as I was going through that, she said, I don't remember your message, but I remember that you got down from the pulpit or from the platform, and I have to turn my neck, and my neck hurt for three days. I said, wow. So if it's okay with everybody, can I bring one of these stands and, and preach from, from, the, from the lower floor? I don't want to cause any uh, neck pain. Most of the time, as a physician, I get asked to speak about health. That's one of the things that comes with the territory. I always get asked, invite to churches to speak about health. Not only Adventist churches. In October, the, the month of breast cancer awareness, I get invited to a lot of non-Adventist churches to speak about breast cancer and mammogram awareness. So it's a common thing for me to do that. It's a common thing for us Adventists also to hear messages about health. When we talk about health, the Adventists raise the hand and the flag goes up. Because we have a message of health. And uh, having been preaching maybe for more than four or five years now in different churches, I come across with two attitudes towards the health message from our church. And you probably will agree with me or disagree. There is in one hand, and I'm not saying you guys believe that way, some people when they ask you, they said, what about the health message that your church has or your religion or your faith has? Some group would say, well, it's kind of like, it's not mandatory. You heard what I'm saying? It's not something that is required. It's suggested. Have you heard that word? Am I preaching to the choir or the actual church? Some other group grabbed the flag and it says, well, because the health is important, I'm better Christian because I follow the health laws and the recommendations and use it as a banner to show that I'm better Christian than the other. Am I preaching to the choir? But I'm going to tell you something that it's more important than that. Why do we have to speak about health? Why is health important? Why? And first, you, the first principle in the Bible, it's in 1 Corinthians 6, 1920, that he read. You are not your own. Your body is not yours. It was bought by a steep price. The Savior had to go up the mountain and die and suffer for you. And he wants you. He bought you with blood. His own. 
So how could you do whatever you want to do with your body? But let me tell you, there's a second part, but it's a little bit more scary than what I just said. And I want you guys to open up in Job, the book of Job, and we're going to go to the chap chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 3. And that's the key. I read New International Version, chapter 2, verse 3. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incite me against him to ruin him without any reason. Listen to what the devil said to God. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, for his own health. The devil knows that if he touches you in your health, you can start doubting God. So on both sides of the aisle, we have, we have concepts, principles, that teaches the enemy wants to make you sick. He knows that he can work sickness in you. He's going to make you doubt the Lord. So that's why health is important. And before we start the actual message... I would like to give a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you because you have a message for us today to change our lives, to make us whole. In Jesus I pray, amen. A couple of months ago, I was called into the ICU. It's one of those places that the surgeon doesn't like to go because most people are really sick. And I was going there, meeting this person, the boys on the phone, the nurse, was very anxious. You have to come here soon. This gentleman is not doing well. So as I approached the unit, I got into it. I met this gentleman. He was 50 years old. And before you actually meet the person, you go in in the chart and check, you know, the histories and different diagnoses that the person has. And he had already a long list of eight different diagnoses: diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, congestive heart failure. The list went on and on and on and on. Kidney failure, liver failure, hepatitis. I know he was not doing well. As I go in and I start talking to him, he needed to get a dialysis catheter to start dialysis. And I explained everything to him. He signed and put the catheter. They started using it. A day and a half later, I'm standing in the ICU as I saw that guy, that gentleman, drifting away into death. There's nothing we can do for that. 50 years old. 50 years old. We're getting sicker and sicker. I've been a student of the human body. God created our bodies perfectly. That's what the Genesis said. He created us perfect. He created a temple with a purpose. And the purpose was for what? For his Holy Spirit to dwell in. The problem is that sin came. And we departed from that original plan. What are we doing with our bodies? What are we doing with our temples today? Is the question that I raise. I titled this sermon, Spring Cleaning. How many of you are from, actually, from actual Florida? We're born and raised here in Florida. There's a couple of people. Hey, wow. 
most people don't, most people move into Florida, right? Like myself. We all move into it. If you're coming from the up north, from north, New York and New England and all those places, you know that when the spring rolls around, there's going to be some cleaning that you have to do, right? You got to get some of the, you know, the things that don't work. You got to get new things. And I want to challenge the church today, specifically about that. What is it that we have to get rid of? What are the things that we have to clean? Can we do spring cleaning? The other day was the first day of autumn. I, I didn't know, but you know. But we're talking about spring cleaning. Can we go in in that attic and take out everything that is not good for us? And for that, I want to go with me to a story in the book of John. And we're going to read a story that it's <laughs> quite, quite strange sometimes when you read it. John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of courts and drove all the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get this out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember what it was written, seal for your house will consume me. This is a very strange scene of Jesus Christ. This is one of the few parts in the Gospels that Jesus is upset, angry. Don't you, don't you agree with me? Amen. He comes in and he doesn't like what he sees. Two principles we're going to study about that, that particular story is that first of all, Jesus drove out the wrong from the temple. Imagine Jesus coming in and talking to one of the merchants and said, could, could you please tell the sheep to, to stay quiet, please? Or he moved over to the other merchant and said, could you please deal the coins in a less loud way? You think he was very diplomatic? On how he approached the situation? There's no diplomacy here. The first thing we have to know. Is that when Jesus comes in the temple. He's going to make it upside down. He's going to change everything. He's got to clean everything. There's no way he can be coming in. And say well let me just bargain with you. Let me just. Uh, well Jesus you can come all the way to here. But don't come to this corner. Don't come to this corner because I have this corner guarded. Jesus came in the temple and what did he do? He cleaned it completely. I laugh sometimes when I see patients and they come to me and said, I'm, I'm smoking, but you know, I used to smoke one, one pack a day. Now I'm half a pack a day. Half a pack a day. I'm making it. No. It's not halfway. It's not, let me get to this part and not from this part. Don't come in. I'm going to come in and I'm going to clean everything. I'm going to wipe everything out. Nothing that you don't need is going to come out. He did not use diplomacy. Sometimes we just have to have a change of heart, what he says. 
He has to come in and wipe away everything that is wrong in our lives. Are we willing to let him do that? The other day I was called into the emergency room to see a patient. It's one of the other places that you don't want to be called. <laughs> and I was going in. I met this lady. And in some of her history, it was that she was a smoker. As I come in, I shook her hand and I said, congratulations, you're a former smoker. <laughs> and she looked at me like, no, 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 doctor, I, I, I smoke. I said, no, congratulations, you're a former smoker. And he says, first of all, when was the last time you smoked? Maybe three hours ago? Yes. Okay. And after this operation, you're not going to be smoking for a week. Because I won't let you, and the hospital won't let you smoke. Okay? So after a week, or maybe, you know, ten days, you haven't had a, you haven't had a cigarette, so you're a former smoker. Congratulations. It's amazing what people believe when you're wearing the white coat, you know? They believe everything, I guess. <laughs> she looked at me like, oh, strange. She said, yes, you're a former smoker. Forget it. It's gone. It's past. You got to get rid of all the things that are not good for you. And people say, well, but I want, you know, gradually do this thing. No. Why are you doing something that is wrong, that is not good for you? The Lord Jesus came in and said, we got to clean this out. From one and for all, everything out. Why do we have to go by steps? Let me tell you some of the clusters in the temples that we have in this country. Because our temples are, are clustered with many things. Americans now spend over $190 billion in fast food every year. There are now over 200,000 fast food restaurants in the U.S. Why do you think they're popping all, all over the place? Huh? The fast food industry spends $4.2 billion on advertising a every year. $660 million for teenagers and children. 28% of Americans, or 80.2 million people, age six and older, are physically inactive. Don't do any exercise. Nearly one-third of high school students play video or computer games for three or more hours on an average school day. What happened with those, you know, used to come back from school and then go out and play baseball or, you know, whatever, marbles, whatever you play, hide-and-seek, I don't know what you play. Not anymore. Everyone stays indoors. No one, nobody wants to go outside. And then the big companies are going outside. NFL is going out. 60 minutes. Why? If that's what God wanted from the beginning. Let me tell you something else. Recent reports project that by 2030, half of the adults, half, 115 million adults in the United States will be obese. These bodies are clustered. Everything around us, the popular thing, is to do those things. And Jesus wants to come in and clean everything, get rid of everything. Sister White says in, in The Desire of Ages, says, In cleansing the temple from the world's buyers and sellers, Jesus announced his mission to cleanse the heart from the defilement of sin, from the earthly desires the selfish lust, the evil habits 
that corrupt the soul. So there was a purpose for him. There's a purpose for that story in the Bible. He showed that he can do the same thing with our hearts, with our bodies. Jesus had to come in and radically change our temples and drive away everything that is not allowing this temple to be a perfect home for his Holy Spirit. We have to let him come in and do the work. The second principle, I talked about one and second principle of this story. We found it in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 21st. And we're going to read the verse 12 and the verse 13. It's the same story. But Matthew brings another concept that it's important that we understand. Because God, Jesus came in and cleaned everything out. Do you think that's all he was going to do? Let's see. Let's read in Matthew 21st, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. So we already read that. He came in, cleaned everything out. This is not supposed to be. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And what happened? And he healed them. I love what Matthew says about that. Because the story doesn't end in just the rage of our Savior cleaning the temple. You know what he did? He restored the purpose, original purpose of that temple. You remember what Solomon said? This was not the same temple that Solomon built. You remember what he said when he prayed? He said, Lord, hear your people when they come. Hear when they come to this house of prayer. The Lord Jesus knew what was the purpose of the temple. He knows what's the purpose of my temple too and your temple too. He wants to restore the original purpose of your temple. He not only wants to wipe away things that are wrong in your body or, on your, or, or with your health, or with your soul. He wants to restore you to the original plan. It's funny, when you have a computer that doesn't work well, what do you do? You've, you, said, you've, you formatted the disk, right? Because it's filled up with, with junk. But you don't want that, so you have to go back to the original settings. So it will start working again. I love the fact that Jesus comes in cleans everything, and then he says, come, let's fulfill the purpose of this temple. You can have the blind coming in, the lame come in. There's going to be miracles here. But people ask me, well, but why is it that, you know, I pray for a miracle and no miracles happen? Who wants to see a miracle? Everyone wants to see a miracle. So how come I'm battling this sickness? Or my loved one is battling this sickness and I don't see that the Lord is listening to me? What's going on? And this morning when we were in Sabbath school, we were talking about that. I, I, I sort of got a glimpse of that situation when I read the book of Job. And one thing that I learned from it is that we're not ones to question God. God is the supreme is above all the things that we can humanly think or believe. That's this, the, the essence of that book. 
Not the trials and the problems that he faced. Is that God is above everything. After everything that they say and they talk and men talk and talk and talk and talk, God comes in and says, listen, let me straight you up. Let me give you the straight up version. I'm above everything. You guys don't know anything of my purposes and my plans. But sometimes we miss the miracles. Several years ago, my mother sadly heard the news that her sister, who had helped her raise her, was battling cancer, colon cancer. My mother tells this story with a lot of sadness because for five years she prayed every day, Lord healed her, Lord healed her to an uncomfortable place where she started seeing her sister getting sicker and sicker and she said, Lord, you don't want to listen to me? How come the miracle doesn't happen? How come things are not getting better? Because we have to ask those hard questions sometimes. And as time passed and my aunt went to rest, the final days, my mom realized what her miracle was. She never took a pill, pain pill for five years. Have you heard of a person with cancer that never takes pain pills? I don't. I, I don't. My mother said, my sister lived for five years, battled cancer, had surgery, came back again, eventually passed away, never took a pain pill. Praise the Lord. Your miracle was there. But we're too preoccupied sometimes with other things. And we don't see how the, how the Lord is working. Cleansing the temple from the wrongdoings was important. But more important was the restoration that Jesus brought to the temple. No man can of himself cast out the evil throne that have taken possession of the heart. Only Christ can cleanse the soul temple, but he will only do it not by force. He comes not into the heart as the temple of all, but he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. Revelations 3.20 Today Jesus is at the doorsteps and knocking. Because he wants to come in in our temples. He doesn't want a partial opening. He doesn't want us to just give him a little bit. He wants to make the extreme change changes in our temples. Clean away what is wrong. I finish with this story. I met this gentleman. His name is Felix. I met him at a, at a support group for cancer survivors. And Felix was telling us this sto his story. And one of the things he was saying, and I could see it in his eyes, that he was, there was some uneasiness. There was some anxiety that he was facing. Something was not right. We met. We say hi. I left. My dad later told me that he had gone into the hospital for complications related to his cancer. Looked to be that his cancer had come back. So the first thing that Felix did, and that's important to chaplains, is that he went and asked his nurses, can someone get me a, a Bible? Can someone get me a Bible? A group from the, from the Adventist church in the area was visiting that day the hospital. 
and said, well, we, ha- we can give you this Bible. I said, you know what, but, but I'm Puerto Rican. I, I, want, I want a Spanish Bible. Can someone get me a Spanish Bible? Because it reminds me about my, my childhood. I want that. I said, well, we don't, have a, we, we don't have a Spanish Bible, but what we can do is we can get, we can get the, 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 the Spanish pastor to come down and bring you a Bible and pray with you. He says, please do that. Do that because I need it. As the pastor came in to visit him, he realized that things were not doing, he wasn't doing that well. So he started, he gave him, he gave him, the, he gave him the Bible. He says, Brother Felix, what's wrong with you? And he started confessing his sins. He started confessing his sins. I've been very successful. I, I, let, I left the Lord. I was raised a Seventh-day Adventist in Puerto Rico. I abandoned my faith. I went and looked for other things. And look what I am right now. The pastor said, you know what? You're confessing your sins. We should anoint you. He agreed to be anointed right there in the hospital. One week passed. Felix was still alive. Another week passed. And then the doctors were talking about sending him home. He went home. I asked my dad, how is Felix doing? Well, Felix is, is about, he's about to get baptized. He's about to get baptized because he found the strength again to get up and go up and be baptized. Almost two months after he was left for death, he got baptized and he says, Pastor, I want to go back to Puerto Rico. I want to go back to my church to worship with my sisters. So he went one Saturday, one Sabbath, he was there with them. By surprise, they weren't expecting him. He came in through the doors. Felix is still alive. God has a purpose for everything. When he wants to come in and save, he will do it. Every time I see my dad, I ask for Felix. He's doing well. I don't know what's in store for him. But his story, it's a living proof that Jesus can still work miracles and saves. He wants to come in. It's not by force, as Sister White put it here. We have to be willing to let him in and get rid of the things that are not good for us. I want to sing the hymn softly and tenderly. And as we listen to this in 287, if we have something to get rid of, that we want Jesus to come in and take away, it might not be something that is related to your health. It might be a bad relationship that we have. It might be a bad attitude that we have. It might be something that, a habit that we have that is not right. I want you to come in front. And I want you to lay it down. And say, you know what? I struggled with this long time. And it's time for me to let go. And to actually say, Lord, do what is right. Take away things that are wrong in my life. Restore the original purpose of my life. Because I know that I was created at your image. And you want me to be whole. 